Hi, the topic of today's episode is called Getting Jiggy With It When You're Still in Love with Mr. Wrong. So with coupling, um, will, will doing this with another person break the spell and make you love the person less that you're still hung up on? Sometimes you can consider it as physical therapy, much akin to the other therapies designed to facilitate healing, closure, and moving on. I've never thought it should be casual or recreational, but I've certainly engaged with men I no longer loved or even respected or even liked that much for that matter, Um, maybe just out of convenience or loneliness. Uh, I would never make a habit of engaging in such soulless behavior, but um, it does tend to be sometimes kind of what happens. So this kind of, of, of activity seems cheap and vulgar, not to mention in today's disease-ridden culture, it could be pretty risky. The, maybe for the first time, the first time that you are with someone new after a long relationship ends, Maybe it should happen outside of emotion simply to mark the passage and just to get it done, you know, to cross over and get to the other side of that, to stop the longing and indulgence and hardwired memories that are always there with you, tormenting you about the man that you gave your heart to, the one that maybe laughed and smirked a little bit and handed it back to you only after tearing it to shreds. So you're thinking maybe, How could anything that you try to do now with someone else in order to forget this person, how could that be any more heartbreaking or humiliating than what maybe he's already done to you? Well, that's a good question. We all crave human contact in one way or another. During Christmas holidays this year, the time off work that I'm blessed to enjoy as a teacher has stretched into endless minutes and hours that feel like a blur of infinite melancholy, sadness, endless hopelessness, and even mind-numbing isolation. I promised myself that my first season alone, without my husband and without my children or really any family whatsoever, that it would be a season filled with new friends, church activities, charitable volunteer work, and lots of getting out and about. Very little of that actually happened. What few friends that I do have now are newly uh, acquired from support groups and divorce care groups, and they're we're busy with their own families minus their wayward ex-partner. Most church and charity events already happened before the actual week of the holidays, so there wasn't much to do there. And as for getting out, I still find that doing things alone holds very little joy for me, and finding people willing to do things with you is another challenge altogether. So what to do but reach out and schedule a date or two with the intention of moving on to something that will effectively mark the occasion. If if the prospect of getting jiggy with it uh, after a horrific half of half a year of grief, in my case, doesn't just snap you back into life, what will? I mean, it is easy to feel like an ugly old piece of trash after being discarded so quickly and callously. So it goes without saying that a perfect remedy might be for some other guy, a handsome, charming, 
new, smart, funny, and maybe a few years younger guy would find you attractive and worthy of his time. Maybe that's just what you need. Something that will just scream, hey, I lived through this past six months and it was pure torture and you just threw me away. And now look at me. I am living my best life. Well, you can begrudgingly schedule a waxing appointment, dig out something out of the closet that's classy but sexy, apply a crest whitening strip and maybe put some protein pack on your hair. But one of the most important things, and something you probably didn't do in preparation, is to get your head and your heart in the right place. How does one even begin to know how to do that and get that all straightened out? It's a really good question, right? When a person, when is a person truly ready to move on with someone new? Everybody has a different idea on this. One person, Judith Sills, PhD and psychologist and author of Getting Naked Again, Dating, Romance, Sex, and Love When You've Been Divorced, Widowed, Dumped, or Distracted. This author says um, it varies from person to person. She says everyone ends a relationship by grieving the emotional investment And for some people, that happens before they even move out, while other people are still emotionally married after the divorce is final, and it could be years before that they are ready to move on. Years? Well, I was not ready, that's for sure. I thought about how many people he said he had taken to bed in the first few months during the separation and before the ink was even dry on the divorce documents. He had been fighting the urge to merge for years, probably, and yet I was unable to process how he could replace me like an interchangeable part um, in a matter of days after his sudden and heartless departure. Upon closer reflection, I realized he had probably already dropped his drawers for someone else months, if not years, before his actual uh, exit. I thought about how how exciting and passionate and fresh that all must have been for him, and it compelled me to attempt some of the same kind of fun for myself. Why not? Big mistake. What I wanted wasn't sex. It was him. And what I wanted, I wanted something that was lost, something he promised me over and over and then took away from me with no warning. I wanted my husband of 15 long years to reach for me with familiar hands and breath and fresh, that whole organic experience of that unity and all of that. I wanted my husband to handle me in all of the ways I had come to know and expect after thousands upon thousands of physical encounters over the many long years we were married. There was always a deep joy, a silent reverence, um, intimate comfort and ease of spirit sort of that enabled me to open up and give myself to him without reservation. It was security It was a holy sacrament. It was a spiritual union, a twin flame united, a soul contract fulfilled, and on and on. You get the picture. 
And in spite of all of the problems and failures and terrible parts of our marriage, it was still a partnership. I looked across the table at this stranger that I had um, met, this new person, this date, this new potential, this new opportunity to find love again or to find something. Um, and I laughed to myself at the absurdity of it all. I wasn't looking for love. I'm still learning how to stop loving my husband and learning how to let him go. And I wasn't looking for a physical relationship either. I'm still learning to stop longing for my husband and learning how to let that part of my life go as well. So if he can move on so quickly and with such ease, it's only a testament to his inability to love deeply or experience intimacy at all. He can certainly fake it, fake love, fake a devotion, fake compassion, future faking future faking dreams and happily ever afters that he can never deliver. It proves that he is a narcissist addict after all and hungers for the chase and the rush of a new conquest. I could never be like that. I know how to love someone and I just have to have more. It was nice having dinner and someone and talking about things both simple and sweet but when he reached for my hand and I squeezed that wide part of his palm, I knew I would be going home alone. I did not recognize this new hand. It was not the one I had been holding day after day, night after night, time after time for 15 long years. This one was different and foreign and strange and wrong. It is a common consensus at this point that my husband suffered from a dysregulated and disordered mind. It forced him to claim victimhood and blame shift, project and repress, deny, and actually just turn on me suddenly. People have described him and his family as a bag of snakes, each dangerous with their own reptilian brains and not to be pitied or dismissed. But you know... Love doesn't make those distinctions between wellness and sickness, between safety and danger. It just lives in that quiet place deep inside that knows the truth and just loves them anyway. To those of you who think you can move on by turning to a new relationship, a word of warning, it won't work. If you think you can heal them or fix them, the ones that are broken, the ones that broke you, that's not going to work either. And if you are one of the ones who believes that repairing your own inner wounds will help you let go of the toxic past and all of that, well, that's only partially true. I don't deserve how he treated me so shamelessly without empathy and how he simply erased me along with any and every memory of our time together. I deserve more. I love myself. I forgive myself. And I forgive myself even for loving him. And I am doing the very best I can do today to survive without too much worry about what the future will bring. I do this because I can only manage one day at a time. And I can only manage myself. 
not to complicate things by adding in another person that I'm not ready to have there with me at this time. What is all this talk of moving on and forcing a relationship that is not right, at least for now? Maybe tomorrow will bring someone to you. Maybe you will be alone for the rest of your life. But I know one thing. This whole idea of fake it till you make it is a dangerous thing. Your heart and soul will know if and when you are ready for something else. Until then, we wait. We wait alone in our own beds, alone with ourselves. We do not look outside for a replacement or for fresh love or validation or anything else we may think we need. We look within. We look up. And we trust God or whatever your understanding is of him to manifest something for us, to manifest enough. We are enough. Just stop watching the clock and just wait. We have to believe that even if we weren't enough for the ones who left us behind, that that is their mistake because we are enough. And they're just too blind to see it.